Some crazy action in the NBA. Grant Williams says he's going to make both free throws and misses them at the end. The Heat beat the Hawks. The Pacers and Sixers score 290 points. Lots of fun around the league. We'll get to it all and the standings and the latest on John Morant on today's Locked On NBA. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into this Monday edition of the Locked On NBA podcast, where it's a Tuesday and we're recording the Tuesday edition because I know how the calendar works. I'm Tony East, the host of Locked On Pacers. He's David Ramil, one of the hosts of Locked On Heat, here to bring you the latest and greatest from around the association. Some fun games on Monday night, some close ones, some high scoring ones, some dramatic ones with free throws and ejections at the end. We'll get to all that. Plus, the Pelicans lose and the West standings are insane. Four teams with the exact same record after 65 games. Who will rise into the plan? We'll get to the latest on John Morant because the police are now involved in the matter uh, of his nightclub incidents in Colorado. We'll start with the games, though. A fun night in the league. Lots of fun ones. David, you were watching the Heat tonight. Tell me what everybody needs to know about the Heat getting a big division win over the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, it was a strange game because the Hawks, this is the second straight game uh, between Atlanta and Miami. Miami won pretty convincingly on Saturday. And then, as expected, Atlanta came in with a lot of fire to start off the first quarter. They had 43 points in the first, attacking the paint. Miami, uncharacteristically, not playing defense whatsoever. And then they just kind of flipped the, the, the script completely, started shooting the three-point ball exceedingly well, their best three-point shooting night of the season by percentage 55%. Uh, from beyond the arc, and they got huge contributions off the bench from uh, Caleb Martin, Duncan Robinson, who's been in mothballs for like all season, and Victor Oladipo, your guy coming through with 21 points, big nights from him, just looked explosive, really fantastic performance from him. Jimmy Butler with a near triple-double, but that's kind of become a ho-hum level performance from him. Uh, Bam Adebayo was solid, and even though it did come down to the wire, Miami had to come back from a 15-point deficit in order to claw at that victory. And more importantly to anything else, uh, they did create a two-and-a-half game cushion between them and the Hawks, who are currently the AC of the Eastern Conference. Miami looking to surpass the Brooklyn Nets in the standings if they continue to win. But they've struggled of late. They haven't had any kind of consistency from three or their bench, which makes tonight all the more spectacular g- given their weaknesses over the last month or so. Fantastic win for the Heat from a standings perspective. And because if they win the Southeast Division, they get the tiebreaker over basically anyone else who finishes even with them in the head-to-head. So beating the Hawks, staying ahead in that Southeast Division chase. Man, it's it's so lame that the division matters when the seventh seed or sixth seed in the East yeah. could end up winning. But yeah, huge win for the Heat. And all I think, you know, obviously because he played for the Pacers and I want to talk my alma mater, I'm an Oladipo fan, but him being good and being the guy that he used to be for the Heat would be Huge for them in the stretch run of the season. My favorite moment in the league tonight, David. Cavs Celtics. For those who Mm. missed it, Cavs win 118-114 in overtime. Crazy ending to this game. Huge buckets from Donovan Mitchell, followed by some huge Celtics free throws, followed by another important Cavs bucket, followed by Grant Williams getting fouled with less than a second to go. He heads to the line. And David, what does he say to Donovan Mitchell? I'm going to make them both. And what did he do, David? How many did he make? Uh, let me see. Uh, he missed them both. He missed them both, unfortunately. Sorry. <laughs> he did miss I, them both. Uh, skeleton crew for 
the Celtics in this game. They were not up to full strength. Cavs do get a big win. And over time, Cavs have a lot of big wins this year. They're impressive. But uh, any takeaways from this one besides, obviously, the viral moment of, of Grant Williams not having it at the end? Is it, do you think that's a big deal? Like, I, I mean, I, I know we're kind of uh, playing to the masses a little bit here, but a lot of people want to <laughs> make a, a, a point of it. But, like, really, what is an NBA player supposed to say? You know, I, it's a little surprising that he missed both. He should at least have hit one in order to ice the game for Boston. But for him to, you know, miss out on both. But, like, if he's being challenged, and who knows what Donovan said to him to get the whole moment started. But, like, no NBA player is going to say, hey, you know what, you you really got to me, dog. Like, I'm, I'm, like, feeling scared now because of what you said, <laughs> and I'm likely to miss both. Like, I, it's a little ridiculous that we're blowing this moment up, but here we are uh, in the year 2023. It, it goes viral, and it's, it's worth pointing out, I guess. If he says I'm gonna make both and then he makes one but they still win, like what what does this moment actually become? You know what I mean? It's, it's right. the fact that he missed both is what makes it what it is. And of course, a funny exchange. And I thought Worldwide Wild pointed this out first. Like the Cavs did a good job of all the little free throw stall tactics with you know subbing and then stepping in and out of lines and messing with the ball and all this stuff. So there was like 45 seconds between the free throws, and then he missed the second one too. Crazy ending. Cavs get a win there. Are you a believer in Cleveland? I am a believer in Cleveland. Not, I don't, I, you know, they're not quite up to that Milwaukee Boston tier, although they they be Boston in this game, obviously, but it wasn't full strength Boston. And they keep racking up impressive wins. They look great. They're, you know, they're very balanced. Um, I, I think I have the same hurdle that everybody has, where you know everything says they're good, they play well, uh, but you've never seen them with this iteration do anything in the playoffs yet. So it's hard to say exactly how good they can be. Yeah. Uh, I, concerns about their depth too. I, I saw Cavs Twitter kind of blowing up a little bit early on because Boston did have a 15 point lead. So you credit to the Cavs for mounting a, a huge comeback and 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 again stealing a win in overtime. But I, I guess there are still concerns about their depth. I guess that's probably every fan base has concerns about depth. Even the best teams, at Boston probably is maybe Boston and Milwaukee are the two teams whose depth is most uh, or least impeachable. Other than that, I think, even, you know, you look at the Suns who are emerging as a, a clear contender in the West. Denver has been very, very good, and they've got an MVP candidate, Nikola Jovic, but I think depth is still a big concern for any of the other second-tier level contenders, including Cleveland. I agree, uh, you know, and everybody talks about the importance of Damian Lee right after that trade. Like, that's how you know your depth is fine, but, like, you might need a tiny bit more. And, and no shade to Damian Lee. He's had a fine right. season. But, you know, you always want, you know, Boston's seventh guy is Derek White or Malcolm Brogdon. You know, there's a big talent gap there. on, And what makes them such a deep team and why they have one of the best records in the NBA. I was uh, in Indianapolis covering 290 points of basketball between the Pacers and 76ers. Not a ton of drastic takeaways in this game. The stars were stars. James Harden had 20 assists. Joel Embiid made 19 free assists. throws to score more than 40 points. He made every single one. He was hitting mid fadeaway mid-range shots. Tyrese Halbert said after the game, if he makes those, what can you do? You kind of just lose at that point in the game. Not a lick of defense in this game. 147 to 143 is a ridiculous non-overtime score. For a game and the key stretch of the game, a 10-06ers run early in the fourth quarter. It was four stops. That's all they needed to really get this win because of how many points were scored. Four stops. Hal Burton had 40 and 16, which was exciting. Uh, but the Sixers are just better than the Pacers. The Pacers are, are ascending, not quite ready 
for that. Last one I want to get to, Denver, Toronto. 114-113, David. Uh, Scotty Barnes said something, I think. I don't really know. It's hard to tell why. It even looks like, looking back on the video, that other officials in the moment were confused, and he was ejected in a one-point game. Uh, I'll ask you for your thoughts on that in a second. But after free throws... The Raptors come down, try to score, and Nikola Jokic intentionally fouls Jakob Pertl when they're up by four with 30 seconds to go. He missed both. That sucks and is boring for fans, but it's absolutely the right basketball play. Nuggets end up winning. Uh, the poor report from Scott Foster, who ejected Scotty Barnes, says he was ejected on one technical foul because he used verbiage that which directly questioned the integrity of the crew. Hmm. Uh, one tech, though. Surprising ejection there. you have any qual- I hate these ejections. I'm curious how you feel about it. Credit to the Nuggets for pulling off this win. They they dominated the fourth quarter to get it done. But what do you think of the ending of this game and this ejection? Chaotic and unfortunately so. Like that that should never be the case. It should never it should never come down to something so egregious that seems to take all the momentum away. And you know maybe it doesn't really matter and it washes out over the course of a 82 game regular season. But it's hard for fans to let go of those moments and, 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 and referees shouldn't imprint their decision-making so completely to change the course of a game. And, and I, I, I just dislike that in general. I, I know my usual co-host talks about refer, uh, officiating as, you know, an act of God, uh, you know, or an act of nature that you just, you can't control it, right? You can't control the weather. You can't control officiating. And basically it mostly balances out. And that's probably still the case here, but it just it leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth of watching the game associated with either team. I'm sure Denver will take the win. I'm sure they're laughing all the way and, and recognizing <laughs> that it probably shouldn't have come down to that point. But again, when they're when you're looking to establish dominance in the Western Conference, uh, you'll take whatever win you could possibly get. So I, I can understand that perspective. But it's just it just sucks, right? Like it, it shouldn't. Like, I don't know, like Scott Foster, notorious as uh, a person with a very larger than life personality as an official, I don't know that we should even know who these people are or keep statistics on how much they impact the course of games. And, and, you know, he's a respected referee. He'll continue to be a respected referee. I'm sure he'll be, uh, and, and embroiled in several playoff related games. So it's, you know, <laughs> we're not getting rid of Scott Foster anytime soon. So you're just going to have to learn to live with him. Yeah. I think the saying is if you know a referee's name, that's generally not a good thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, look, it's a 48-minute game, tons of fun plays for fans to talk about, but fans talk about the final minutes of clutch games, right? That's just how basketball is. That's why those moments are so magnified, and it loses its magnification when there's an ejection and then literally an intentional foul <laughs> 10 seconds later in the game. Again, credit to the Nuggets. They made all the right plays to get the win. I don't want to take that away from them, but it sucks when the game ends that way. David, let's pivot and talk about the Western Conference. It is a mess. Every win critical for every team the rest of the way. This plan standings are crazy. Before we do that, though, I think you have a message to share with everybody. Absolutely. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't all want all of the fat and calories, you've got to try Built Bar. I know a lot of people made resolutions to start off the year. If you're just trying to eat healthy regardless of the time of the year, then you've got to try Built because with Built, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't even think they're good for you, but they're perfect for maintaining a healthy lifestyle. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it. I'm not sure anybody does. But 
you can trust that they are getting the best nutrients that you need for your healthy diet while also maintaining an incredible taste. Uh, only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And again, they're healthy and taste great. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box for years. We've been talking about ordering your built bars by going to built.com. You can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section, grab yourself a box of built bars. You can pick up a four bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in, grab a 13 bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. And of course, you can still go to built.com, but make sure to get the built bars today. Thank you, everybody, for making Locked On NBA your first listen today and every single day for your second listen. Check out Locked On Heat. Hear how they're doing in their Southeast Division race. David and Wes will take you through the happenings in South Beach right now for a team that had a fantastic win against the Sixers last week and a spectacular failing against the same Sixers team in the same week. They'll have the latest on the Heat. Let's go to the other conference. We spent a lot of time in the East in our first segment today, and we're headed to the West because... The Pelicans lost to the Kings in this game. Brandon Ingram may be injured again. Uh, Locked on Pelicans will have more there with Jake Madison. And now, David, let me read you the NBA, the NBA standings. Let me read you the record of five different teams. You can probably see this in front of you, but I would like our listeners to hear this. Just, just to really drive home the point. The ninth seed in the West is the Utah Jazz at the moment. They're 31-34. Uh, the tenth seed is the Portland Trailblazers. They are 31-34. The 11th seed in the West is the Los Angeles Lakers. They are... 31 and 34, the 12th seed in the West by virtue of losing tonight is the New Orleans Pelicans. They are 31 and 34. And the 13th seed in the West is the Oklahoma City Thunder, and they are 30 and 34. Not quite the same, but if they win their next game, lo and behold, we will have a five way tie for two spots in the plan. Complete pandemonium. The Jazz are slumping. They've lost three in a row. The Pelicans have won three of their last 10. The Lakers are somehow separating themselves even after LeBron's injury and winning some key wins. What does this all shake up like to you? Who do you think is going to rise above and get these last two playing spots? It's it's really it's impossible to predict. In last <laughs> week's episode on the heels of uh, finding out that LeBron James would miss several weeks, uh, you know, I, I said that the Lakers were done, uh, but it seems like they're all kind of competing to avoid the, the play in tournament altogether. And I, the Lakers may actually have more of a chance than I would have thought possible. Uh, you're, you're looking at, to me, they're all going through various issues, whether it's health or, or just, you know, instability in general. The Jazz were never supposed to be in this position in the first place. They've been surprisingly good all season long, and they're steadily you know, doing just enough to st- remain in the hunt. Of course, the Thunder, a very unexpected team as well in terms of, uh, you know, th- the fact that they're competing for a, a chance to make the playoffs. Uh, but you look at their their records on the road, and I think that's, that's probably a big part of what I think will dictate how these teams shake things up over the next 17 games. They all have 17 games. The Thunder have 18 games left on their schedule. Uh, but look, you know, the Lakers and Blazers – are the only teams that come close to having even a pretty decent record on the road. The Blazers are 14 and 19 on the road, 15 and 19 on the road for the Lakers. Jazz 11 and 21 
And so I'm not sure exactly what the rest of their schedule is, but if they've got a fair amount of uh, road games there, there's a good chance they won't be winning those. So I don't see that they're likely to make it. The Pelicans somehow are even worse, 11 and 23 on the road, Thunder 11 and 19. So those are the three teams to me that are least likely to make the playoffs. I think the Thunder are a feel good story. They've got a treasure trove of picks. They're in line to you know get another great pick next year in the draft, several great picks in the next year's draft. And they've got a good young crew there. It'd be fun for the league, I think, to watch that team make the playoffs over you know an older, beat-up Lakers team. But to me, if I'm looking at which teams are most likely to make the team, I think it's also the team with the much more established veteran superstars. You've got Anthony Davis and LeBron James who will return at some point, and you've got Dame Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers. So those are the two teams I think are most likely to leapfrog in the standings and lock in a play-in seed. When Zion plays, hmm. the Pelicans are awesome. There's one problem. <laughs> Zion has not, not played, has not played in a while. No sign of a soon return. And especially if Ingram is now hurt again, like any juice or mojo they just found would presumably be lost. And so that's really tough for them because when I look at these five teams, especially with where they're headed now with the, the Thunder just saying they're going to monitor SGA's minutes a little more down the stretch of the season and the least surprising news in NBA history – and Larry Markkinen having some injury concerns right now, given where the teams are now, uh, just, this is a conservative estimate, I suppose, on Zion's return, but for the next 10 games for these five teams, the best two players on any of the teams are Anthony Davis and Damian Lillard, and that alone gives me reason to say that I agree with you. The Blazers and Lakers have the best shot of elevating and separating themselves from the rest of this pack, especially because even Sands LeBron, even when he hasn't been in the games, the Lakers have been much better since the deadline. They got pieces that make sense, stuff that fits. D'Angelo Russell can handle stuff when the stars don't have it at any given moment. Like they're they're good now. They they were good before, I guess, but they're like solidly they're good all the time. Yeah, better. <laughs> they're improved, right? And the Blazers have found some nice pieces with some of their, you know, much smaller but still important trade deadline acquisitions. And Dame is playing. You know, he's doing that thing he does every year over three weeks. He's just the best player on the earth. Uh, that's gonna matter. And so I think. There's a chance 10 games from now we look back where those guys are the best players on those teams just do enough to get them ahead. And then you have to make the hard decisions, right? If you're Utah, you know, I think we all know what Utah wants the season to look like. Like they're playing Chris Dunn heavy minutes who they just added on a 10 day and no disrespect to Chris Dunn, who's had a nice NBA career, but he just joined the jazz. Like you, you get the picture of what these teams are going for, where the thunder are headed. I think the Pelicans would like to make the postseason. They don't have the talent to, especially if Ingram is hurt. So they're the swing team that could, could gunk this up like they were first in the West at one yeah. point this season. They're certainly talented, but the injury to Zion, the way they've been playing recently, it's hard for anyone, I think, to have confidence in them. So I would say given how these teams have been playing, what the, where the talent currently lies, it seems easy for me to pick the Lakers and Blazers to rise above. Uh, but but I guess there is a chance the Pelicans, if I had to pick one of the other three teams to sneak in, I think I'd pick New Orleans. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Uh, they lost by 15 tonight to the Sacramento Kings there. Despite 24 for Brandon Ingram, uh, was did he wind up leaving the game because of injury, or is it just a? I a just saw it on Twitter. I cannot say I know. 100%. Okay, no, that's that's fair. Like we were covering other games. I mean, they had big performances from a bunch of other players, but uh, you know, they they're they're struggling to figure it out, and I, I don't know what exactly is going wrong there in terms of you know, defensively. Obviously, they've got some issues, and they're not getting like, enough offense to keep up with the other teams that they face. So I, I think those are 
big issues, and and usually those are the issues that will keep you from achieving any kind of postseason success. So yeah, you're right. They're probably the third amongst that five uh, five team tier, but that's uh, you know not a good place to be in, especially considering how hot they were to start off the season and look like they were going to be the feel good team of the year. Kind of similar to the Memphis Grizzlies that we'll talk about in the next segment. Absolutely. It feels like to me that the, the, I hate to say this because the West is also jumbled, but like the tiers have kind of settled with the first tier, the second tier, the likely top of the play in late playoff groups. And then these five now, just given how the season has gone, we'll see how it settles out. It's going to be fascinating. Every West versus West game is just unbelievably critical at this yeah. stage of the season and has massive implications. So anytime, you know, for example, Warriors Lakers was Sunday and I know that Steph was returning and LeBron didn't play, but that's a huge win for the Lakers and the rest of their season. And there's going to be all sorts of those games. You alluded to it though. Let's get to John Morant a little more reporting coming out about him and Colorado police investigation beginning and Steven Adams talking to the Grizzlies for a message about the rest of the season. But before we talk about all that, David, one more thing I think you need to tell everybody about. Yeah, today's episode also brought to you by FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's a bonus bet back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use, and you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores to the number of threes drained. So many different bets that you can place throughout the week. Uh, you know, you can bet on... Uh, Dave Lillard's next monster game or who steps up for the Pelicans. There's so many different opportunities there to place a wager. And there's so many more exclusive bets like their two by three, two three-pointers scored in the first three minutes. Plus, FanDuel lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. To learn more, make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Welcome back to Lockdown NBA. Thanks for making us your first listen today and every single day. For your second listen and for all the latest on everything we're about to talk about, Lockdown Grizzlies, DeMichael Cole and Joe Molinax will have everything you need. Boots on the ground in Memphis about everything John Morant and the Grizzlies as they continue forward. And on Brendan Clark and Dylan Brooks and the, every, every crazy thing going on with the Grizzlies right now. Back to Morant uh, in the news for all the unfortunate reasons uh, over the weekend. The Instagram live video of him surfaced with him holding a gun in a nightclub. And now reporting from Ramona Shelburne and Liz Merrill on ESPN Today says police in Colorado said Monday they are investigating John Morant's actions. Uh, ESPN names the, the, the location where it happened and the police department involved. And uh, the key details here, Colorado is an open carry state, although there are exceptions to the law, including the carrying of a firearm on federal property is illegal in Colorado to possess a firearm. While under the influence of alcohol, that's all in this ESPN report, as well as the fact that NBA rules prohibit a player from possessing a firearm while on team property or traveling on team buses. 
It's not clear if he's drinking or drunk, but others are shown drinking in the video. That's the key highlight details you need to know. I highly recommend reading the reporting yourself. David, do you have any takeaways from this? Because the, the big one to me, at least from the Grizzlies, is there's a chance his absence would extend a little longer if this investigation requires holding him out potentially. But that's the only that's the first thing, I guess, that came to my head in terms of basketball impact. Yeah, I, I can't see any kind of uh, firm repercussions based on this investigation. Like, I don't know that they're going to find necessarily something that breaks a state rule or anything like that. They're much more likely to find something that's a violation of an NBA rule. And it seems like all parties involved, whether it's the Grizzlies or the league itself, is trying to do their best to help Morant and to make sure that he is back on track or at least feel closer to making some kind of a return. Uh, it's just, it, it seems like there's a lot of different extenuating factors there and, and I don't want to speak on them or speculate necessarily, but uh, you know, for, look, he's in Denver. Where did the gun come from? Did he carry it on a team plane? If that's the case, that's a violation that we're talking about here. And that could be much more problematic. I don't think the police in Colorado are going to find anything. The city of Glendale police, they're not likely to get any kind of corroborating witnesses or any, any any kind of participation from other people because I'm sure anybody who was there alongside Barrett isn't going to be willing to, to throw him under the bus. Uh, we'll see how it shakes up. I, I don't see any kind of criminal charges being levied against him. This is more about whether or not he can continue to play uh, this season, you know, and who knows how that shakes out. I, I don't know how much longer uh, the suspension will carry on, and I don't know in what kind of shape he'll – come back once he eventually makes that return. Uh, you kind of just hope for the best because it, it just – it felt like this ongoing problem here, right? Like we heard about him – what was it? Beating up a, an underage person, you know, at some point for an altercation there and and at a pickup game and then all of a sudden the, the gun on the Instagram video and then it's coupled with the Brendan Clark injury and everything kind of just snowballed here. And then more reporting coming from uh, Sham Sharani of The Athletic that apparently – there was a, t a players-only meeting where Stephen Adams, their veteran center, spoke up, said, you know what, we need to do a better job, be more responsible, buckle down, whatever cliche you want to throw in there. And at the very least, when you're on the road, try to be more responsible, kind of curtail any kind of out outdoor activities, don't go out as much, et cetera. Don't put yourself in a position where you could get into trouble or do something that could hurt the team. Then later on that day or shortly after that speech was made, Somehow, Morant, you know, uh, photographs or, or at least uh, captured on an IG post uh, with the gun. So I, it just seems like things are kind of snowballing in that Memphis locker room to a dangerous degree. There. Yeah, fascinating in Shams' report that he actually notes how much better the Grizzlies are at home than on the road. Right, that that part of it. They're twenty six and five at home. You know, that's a ridiculous record. Twelve and twenty on the road and, and look I, i'd be speculating to suggest any correlation between the two that is a jarring difference though and that's that's the the trouble with talking about things like this is I, you know i don't know what everything i don't know at all everything i can tell you i can give you takes and opinions about basketball games and i can tell you how them not having john moran affects how they play but when it's a legal matter there's just facts and that's what matters did he break a rule did he break a law or did he not and that will dictate how long he's out for and how much this impacts the grizzlies and the key thing here and i think that it's been discussed ad nauseum is and that's a good thing i think that it's been discussed like this is the grizzlies getting him help to be on a track that is potentially safer for him and better for the team and better for his 
uh, long-term benefit. I think Jalen Rose's monologue on all this on ESPN was, was fantastic, right? Cause he himself was a player that went through, you know, he described his similar experiences. If you haven't heard it, I highly recommend that as well. So we'll see what, what turns this ends up taking, uh, the police investigation, certainly a factor. I, I, I think his suspension has one more game. I could yeah. be wrong about yeah, that. And then a- yeah. after that, we'll see where the Grizzlies reassess, in terms of his return right. and and or if they put out a statement on what steps he took or or things like that because he'll certainly be asked several questions about it upon his return and we'll learn a lot more about the situation but for now uh criminal well, I was going to ask I was going to ask you like, like you know what we can speculate on is how do you think Memphis responds as a team as an organization moving forward right. like is is this going to be something that could break the team apart and I know a lot of people have talked about Memphis and their status as a potential contender and the fact that there's a youthful locker room there that there's, you know, they talk a lot of smack or whatever. Like, you know, there's, there's, there's differing opinions about the strength of that locker room and, and their validity as an actual title contender. But do you look at this incident or this series of incidents? Cause you're talking also about a season ending injury to Brandon Clark too, and another suspension for Dylan Brooks. Like, is this enough to, you know, cauterize a team and have them, engaged as they enter the postseason or do you see it more likely to break the group apart because i'm not sure exactly where i stand i think they'll i think they'll kind of just be somewhere in between which is kind of a a, a very milk toast answer i hate to say it i i think they, they they are so dynamic as a group that i don't know that they're going to break them apart and they're going to continue to win games because they just have this unbelievable undeniable talent but i don't know that they are strong enough cohesive enough as a team to continue to win on the road, considering everything else that we've just talked about. Yeah. I think the response will matter more. Not that the incidents don't matter. They are what has led to where we are now, but the response from Ja specifically will matter a lot here. If he, if he takes it in stride and listens to advice or listens to what Steven Adams reportedly said, and right. you know, comes, comes out of this more focused, like it, it, it's not even a cliche, like teams follow their leader. And so if Ja is more serious and engaged and everybody's that way in the playoffs, but even for the regular season, yeah, yeah, it could be a boon, honestly, a little bit for the Grizzlies in terms of just, you know, small little tweaks up up and down the team that help them be better. But if the response is not up to the, the level that they need it to be or it doesn't end up changing a ton for him. And again, like I, I'm totally guessing at his psyche and situation, but you know, I think the response, I don't think the incidents necessarily themselves change anything about the Grizzlies season I think it's the response from John from the team that will ultimately define what kind of impact it has because if it, if it like right now I think the way the Grizzlies have handled it and Moran has handled it has been great right Steven Adams message yeah. certainly one that needs to be heard and so if it continues down the path it looks like it's going to right now I think it could end up being actually helpful for the Grizzlies and their focus in their play but that it, again it's it's too early to say until he is truly back and playing and and engaged in some way with his teammates yeah, fair enough. We were both very milk toast. We're not takey people. <laughs> no, it's, it's, I don't know. Like, there's so much about it here, and it's it, it's really difficult to talk about somebody's mental well being, and and you know, from everything that he said in past interviews and what we're seeing manifest, you know, there's there's a lot going on there, and he's one of the young stars of this league, and you hope that he is fine. You hope that he is okay yep. moving forward, and when everything kind of shows perhaps the exact opposite of that. So you just want them to be in the best place mentally so that they can continue playing great basketball, but basketball becomes almost secondary considering all the different factors that we've just talked about. 
Agreed. And speaking of basketball, tomorrow on Lockdown NBA, John Corrales, Jake Madison, bringing you the latest and greatest from around the league. Somehow every Tuesday, something crazy happens. I swear they have the, the, the best episode date for the entire season, so you can anticipate the same tomorrow, including the biggest games and stories from around the league. Thank you guys a ton for listening today. David's on Twitter at DRamil13, and you can hear him on Lockdown Heat. I'm on Twitter at TEastNBA. You can hear me on Lockdown Pacers. Thank you guys a ton for listening today. Locked on NBA, I'll be back tomorrow.